We're in this series, this week two of a series called Equipping, and I'm excited about this. This is really something I'm passionate about, is learning. It's really about how a church should function, how God created the church, how he brings us together to use our gifts. And so it's called the work of ministry here. Um, I wanted to share a little bit. One of the great things about living in a small city um, is that we have a lot of good churches. Um, We really do. And um, I think it's kind of unique here for us, but we have a lot of good churches. And um, now that I've been here a while, that I've grown up here, um, I feel like it, it's it, in a weird kind of way. I'm one of the guys that's been here the longest for a lot of the churches. Um, I've been here at Cornerstone for 14 years now. Um, and so over the years, I've really been able to develop some good friendships with the other pastors in our area. And that's something I'm really thankful for, that we can work together with other churches. But uh, believe it or not, the, ch- the, the pastors, we do talk a lot, all, all the pastors of the local churches. And one of the things that we've noticed that we've seen uh, that's come up in conversation several times is like, we'll talk with another pastor and I'll be like, yeah, so-and-so left our church and is going to your church now. And I'm like, yeah, so-and-so left our church and is going to your church now. And they're going over here and they're coming over here and they're switching around. We're seeing a lot of shuffling between churches. And um, I think since COVID, you, you've seen that even a little more. Uh, I think uh, sometimes it's for very valid reasons. People move. They want to be over here. That This is just a better fit. I understand that. But my, my fear is that often uh, the, the motivating factor behind, behind people jumping from church to church to church to church is what I would call a consumer Christian mentality. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is a lot of people have this view is I'm going to sit back um, and the church better deliver what I expect. And if they don't, I'm gone. I'm out of here. The church doesn't meet my needs, then why, you know, if, if the worship music, I don't like it. If someone says something I disagree with, uh, if, uh, you know, the, the music's too loud or if whatever, I mean, uh, they'll find something, right? If you talk about money too much or if someone, you know, that's the mentality a lot of people have. It's like, I expect you to entertain me. And as soon as you quit entertaining me, I'm gone. And that's... um. Uh, maybe that sounds a little cynical, but I've just seen it happen so often. And then when they leave, they just completely ghost you. They won't text. They won't call. They won't return anything. You can't find out why. They're just gone. Um, and so it, it concerns me a little bit, this whole idea of consumer Christianity. I actually saw a, a pastor post this online, and he kind of listed seven defining characteristics or seven differences between a consumer Christian and a contributing Christian. Now, I think it's important to talk about, and I'll explain why, but here are the seven differences. He said, a consumer Christian comes to church to be served, but a contributing Christian comes to serve. So you see the difference already. Uh, A consumer Christian is entitled, but a contributing Christian is grateful. A consumer Christian asks, why or, or what do you think you're doing? You know, you'll do something like, what do you think you're doing? I didn't tell you you could do that. A contributing Christian asks, what do you think you will need? And so it's a different perspective. A consumer Christian points fingers when there are problems, but a contributing Christian asks how they may have contributed to the problem. A consumer Christian focuses on their preferences while a contributing Christian is focused on the needs of others. A consumer Christian focuses on what they will gain from following Jesus, but a contributing Christian counts the cost 
of following Jesus. And finally, a consumer Christian has trouble finding a church family, but a contributing Christian joins a family and begins inviting new members into that family. Now, here is why I share that. I feel like so many people miss out on what church really could be because they don't understand the true nature of what church really is. They come expecting to see what I can get out of it instead of what I can contribute to it. And my belief is if we really understood what it was like to, to, to find our and discover our gifts and use them in a way, then Sunday morning, then the, the, the ministries of the church, it wouldn't be like, oh man, I got to go to church this morning. Why do we got to go? It's such a beautiful day. We go out. You would wake up on Sunday morning and you would be like, I can't wait to get to church today. I am so, it's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. Are you following me? I mean, that's the way church should be. And if more people experience church that way because they understood I'm part of the body of Christ, I have my gift, I'm serving, I'm using it, I'm contributing, then it's not a church, it's my church. It's my family. It's what I get to do. It's what I'm a part of, and I can't wait to go and experience it. And you wouldn't have all the shuffling if people really understood that. If they understood, hey, I could attend church and not just attend, I could be part of this church. And so the reason I share that is so important that we understand that. How many of you, and this is kind of a side note, but I'll share this anyway. For many people, the job that they work during the week is the same way. They, they go to work and they're like, they absolutely hate their job. They're miserable. They're not using their gifts. They're not using their abilities. It's just a paycheck. Can I tell you life is too short to be miserable every day? Amen? I, right now, there are a lot of jobs available, if you haven't noticed. There's a lot of people. If you're not happy where you are at, can I just give you permission to say, why are you still there? <laughs> uh, and, and do something that you love so that when you wake up in the morning, you're like, I can't wait to go to work. I get to do this. And, and really, that's, that's the same thing about church. If you're miserable at church, then let's figure that out. Let's discover your gift. Let's start using your gifts and, and be part of the family of, of God. First uh, Peter, we've been going through this series. We've been picking different passages, and I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians as well. But I want to open up with this, and it says this in chapter 4. God has given you, he's given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And, and I'll just stop right there a little bit and say, uh, God's got all this variety of spiritual gifts. We'll see different lists in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. Uh, here in 1 Peter 4, you'll see some list of different gifts. I would say that these are not, it's not an exhaustive list. These are the only spiritual gifts. I would say God's got a great variety of gifts. Uh, these are examples of gifts he has given, uh, but there are many gifts that he has. And he says, use them well to serve one another. You have the gift of speaking. Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. All right. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And that kind of brings me to my first point this morning, that every believer... Uh, has been given a spiritual gift that is needed and necessary for the church to be effective. 
Every believer, you, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of gifts. Every single believer, if you are a believer in Jesus, uh, not only when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, not only were you forgiven of your sins, you received that gift of forgiveness, not only did you receive that gift of being adopted into his family, you received a, supernaturally, a supernatural ability to do something for the glory of God. It's your life's calling. It's your passion. It's, he's given you a, a gift to do something for him. It's been said that the two most important days of your life are the day you are born and the day you figure out why. Think about that for a minute. Uh, for, for many people, they've never really figured out why. Why am I here? What am I, did God create me to do? And so you go through life day after day miserable because you don't know why you're here. You don't know what God gifted you to do. Can I just tell you, all right, can I just tell you, God has made you the way you are for a mission, for a reason. And so we'll get into that today, and hopefully we'll help you understand that. I want to go now to 1 Corinthians 12, and I wish I had time to go through all of 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14. Uh, but I'm kind of going to touch, uh, hit the high points today a little bit, and I want to encourage you to go back and read it. But it, in, in chapter 12... Uh, it starts off in verse 1 and says this, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special, ability, uh, the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. And, and so let me just kind of give you the backstory. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. And uh, earlier we read that Paul had spent about a year and a half living there. We can read about that in Acts chapter 18. So Paul, this was a church that he was part of for a year and a half. He kind of established it, got it going. He left it. Uh, it's in a very pagan city, a, a, a city that was dominated by a lot of weird sexual beliefs around temple worship and some weird, weird stuff there. Um, he left this church and was gone, and he started hearing back from people, hey, this church is, they're, they're, it's kind of just gone into chaos, they were tolerating sin in the church, uh, so people weren't living right, and uh, there was sexual sin in the church, and uh, they were okay with it. Uh, not only that, there, the, the church services themselves have kind of devolved into this chaos. Uh, a lot of people talking over each other and speaking in tongues and, and just shouting. And, and what happened is people were coming to church needing to hear the gospel message and they weren't able to hear it because it was so chaotic and everybody, uh, nobody really in charge. It was just a mess. And so he wrote them to, to, to tell them the gospel is what you need. This is what you got to get back to. And this is how a church should function in an orderly way. You're part of the body of Christ. And every part has a function. And, and this is when you meet. This is what you do. He kind of spells it out. And, and so he gets into that a, a lot in 1 Corinthians 14. So I encourage you this week to kind of read that. You can kind of get a little more of the backstory. In the middle of that, he says you do it with love. And that's in 1 Corinthians 13. We'll talk about that next week uh, a little bit more. And so that whole passage, love is patient, love is kind, that's in the middle of a whole section about how you use your spiritual gifts inside the church. So as much as we like applying that to romantic love, a husband and a wife, it's written to a church about how they're using their spiritual gifts. And so let me just kind of keep going here. Verse 4, we'll skip down. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. 
There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And then it says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now, there's a word that I don't know if you noticed as I was reading that kept popping up. The word was different. And, and, And when we look at this, what we learn is that Every single one of us is different. I thank God that we are different. I thank God you, uh, that uh, all of us have different, different gifts and different abilities and different talents. Because if we were all the same, I'm telling you, church would be really boring. We, it would be really boring if we all looked the same, acted the same, dressed the same, had the same gifts, did things the same way, looked at things the same way. It would be really boring. And yet, for many churches, they take this one-size-fits-all approach where they expect everyone to do things the exact same way. I'm telling you, that never works. And so what we see then is when we are saved, right? Uh, When we are saved, we come together in such a way that every single one of us is playing a part. Uh, Every single one of us is a part of the body. Uh, Rick Warren says it this way. He says, we're all shaped for God. He's shaped by God and shaped for God. And, and he kind of uses this acronym um, that I've always found really helpful uh, in understanding this because it, it helps explain why we're different. And the acronym is simply the shape is S stands for spiritual gifts. We all have spiritual gifts. That's what this series is about. We have supernatural abilities that we receive at the time of our salvation that God uses for spiritual results. We also have a heart. And what our heart is, it, it's, it's our passion. There are certain things that you are passionate about, uh, that God just stirs in you, uh, a holy discontent that you have about an issue, about uh, something going on around the world, whatever it is. That's your passion. That's your heart. God has placed that there in you uh, so that you can do something about it. And then not only that, you have abilities. That's what the A stands for. And those are your natural abilities, those things that you are born with a propensity to to be able to do. Um, And and this is where the difference between a natural ability and a spiritual gift, uh, natural abilities, you're kind of born with it. You can just do. Some of us, uh, some people in here, uh, you know, know, you're... You may, may be uh, coordinated. You may be able to be more athletic. Some of you uh, may just naturally be more studious. Uh, some of you, uh, whatever it is, you have some natural abilities. Some of you, uh, I, I mentioned this, like my son, Luke, like I started teaching him guitar when he was 10, and I like showed him a few things and said, do this. And he's like, okay. And, 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 he's, and then he played something and said, Daddy, you do that. And I'm like, I can't do that. It was about that quick, Right. And it's because he had a natural ability. I would say even that borderlines on a spiritual gift when you can just play any instrument and do anything, hear something, play it. He just had that ability to to play. Um, And so he had a natural ability. It just came naturally to him. Um, And I had to really work at it to even not even be good. And he's good without even trying. It's just not fair. Why? Because he's got a natural ability. Um, But then the P stands for personality. We all have different personalities. So that means we respond to things differently. Um, it's interesting. and um, uh, Personalities is something that's always fascinated me. So whether you look at the DISC profile or the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram, there are all these different person, ways to, to describe personality types. And 
Um, it's interesting for me, like Jennifer and I, like almost every one of them, we're like exact opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, Myers-Briggs, we're exact opposites. Um, it, it's funny because uh, everything about, but yet God put us together. We're very different people. We respond to things differently, but yet we make a good team. And so as a church, I'm thankful that we have many different personalities in here because we need all different personalities. Uh, So that plays a part into how God has shaped you. And then finally, the E is our experiences. Um, And so our experiences are those things in life we have gone through. Um, And as we go through them, then it helps us be able to minister people as they are going through the same things. Um, and so our experiences play a huge part in who we are and how we respond. And so um, those, uh, let me kind of go back through them. Spiritual gifts, your heart, abilities, your personality, experiences. All of those things are how God made you. And, they, and there's not a good or a bad or a right or a wrong. It's just who you are. And as you learn how God shaped you, you start learning how God can use you uh, for His glory and to bless other people. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. If you ever really stop to think about it, God created you. He, 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 you're his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And so as God has created us, as God has made us, he's done that because he's got a work for us to do. He's got a mission for us to do. He's got a plan for us that he has created. So God is the one he has shaped you. He has given you the ability you need. There was a 19th century Methodist pastor named Samuel Chadwick, and he said this. He said, and he was talking about when he was saved. He said, or when he experienced this, this gifting of the Holy Spirit. He said, every part of my being was wakened up. I did not get a new set of brains, but I got a new mentality. I did not get a new faculty of speech, but I got a new effectiveness of speech. I did not get a new dictionary, but a new Bible. Immediately, I was a new creature with the same basis of natural qualities, but now energized, quickened, reinforced into a bigger vitality and effectiveness that nobody would ever have dreamed possible. That is what happens to those upon whom the Spirit comes. And he's saying, like, when when we come to Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit and every believer receives the Holy Spirit, we are gifted then. We have this uh, this spiritual gift. And it's not that it's like all of a sudden God, uh, he works inside of us. He gives us this new heart, this new passion. He gives us this new ability uh, to, to, to do something. And every single one of us is different. So why am I sharing all this? Because... Again, it's not one shape, one size fits all. I'll give this experience. And um, I mean, for some of you, this is just saying, helping you maybe understand where I'm coming from. Um, I feel like churches sometimes expect everybody to have the same gifts or the same experiences or the same passion. Uh, Years ago and back in the 80s and 90s, they were more popular then than now. But all these different methods for doing door-to-door evangelism, okay, uh, different acronyms, different, uh, you know, uh, evangelism explosion, faith. There's all these different ones, and they're all based around going door-to-door, knocking on people's doors, and seeing how they respond. Now, um, I, I went through the training. I did it for, for a while, and, and here's what I would say. Uh, for an introvert that hates imposing on people, 
it was pure torture to go to someone's door, knock on it, and, and see. I, absolute misery for me. Does it mean that I do not like evangelism or I'm not gifted in evangelism or I don't want to do evangelism or I don't care about lost people? No, it means I, that's not the way I, I, I'm wired, I'm shaped to, to do it. You give me the ability to sit down with a group of teenagers at a coffee shop, I will tell them about Jesus. Give me the ability to stand in front of a church and preach about Jesus, I am not ashamed. I will witness. You send me to somebody I don't know to knock on their door during supper time, I hate it. And, and the, 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 here's the issue, right? For many churches, they expect everybody to do things the same way, and it makes people miserable. You may have the gift of evangelism, but because of your personality, because of your experiences, you do it in a different way. Maybe it's writing. Maybe you want to write and tell people about Jesus. Maybe it's one-on-one. -on -one. You would love to really get to know someone instead of just knocking on someone's door. Maybe God really created you where you love meeting new people and you are the one who knocks on doors. If so, then do it. <laughs> Whatever he's given you the heart to do, you find your way that God has wired you and you put it into practice. And then some people have a spiritual gift of evangelism that goes beyond just the mandate that we're all called to go and make disciples. And they could just walk in a room and like everybody just says, how do, how do I get saved? All right, have you been around someone like that? They like go on a flight and everybody in the flight saved by the time they get off the plane. They go in a classroom and everybody just looks to them and says, tell me about Jesus. And they're just, okay. And they're like, okay, how do I get saved? Okay. And like, I've seen people stand up evangelists and like, you know, hundreds of people get saved. And all they said is, do you know Jesus? Do you want to know him? Get saved. Okay, let's go. And that's it. And like everybody responds. They have a gift of evangelism. So we're all shaped and wired differently. Um, so that's kind of what I'm talking about here. It's finding how God has created you. Now, what are the gifts? I'll go through a few here that we see. Again, I don't think this is an exhaustive list, uh, but it's what we have in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. There's several places that talks about gifts in the New Testament. So we have gifts like administration. Some of you, you have a gift where you can just immediately look at something and organize it and get the right things in the right spots, and you love spreadsheets, and God has just given you the ability to be able to look at something quickly and get everything, all the, pull all the pieces together. Apostleship. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week in Ephesians 4, just the idea some people are, are, are wired to start new things, start new ministries, go new places, uh, the missionaries, uh, the apostleship, uh, the discernment. Some of you have the ability to just be able to, to, to look at things and, and know right from wrong and be able to see the hurdles and roadblocks. And you're able to discern the wisest thing to do in different situations based on what Scripture says. Uh, evangelism. Again, some people have, it goes beyond just, uh, just, just you know, all of us need to, to, to go and make disciples. But some of you have this gift that people just are drawn to you. And you don't mind, you can share about Jesus, this gift of evangelism. Um, exhortation or, enc or encouragement. Um, man, doesn't the church need more people that are encouragers? Every church. Just people that just come up and say, you know, this is what I see in you. I'm so thankful for what you're doing. Thank you for serving. Thank you for doing this. Can I, can I, here's what, you know, if we had people exercising that gift, it just brightens everyone's day. It really does build up the body of Jesus. Faith. I'm thankful we have people in this church that have the gift of faith. Uh, and, and they're just able to see a way when it looks like there is no way. 
Uh, I, I shared in the first service an example that just popped up in my head. Like when we first started working on Center 242, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, my plans were like, okay, the, here's an empty building. Let's gut it out, uh, put a few things in it. Uh, let's kind of do it. And we had a few people say, you know what? If we're going to do this thing, let's do it big. And I'm like, that's going to take a lot of money. And they're like, no, we can, we can make it happen. I'm like, okay. And we have people that saw it right? Before I even visualized what it could be. And then as we got into it, I'm so thankful that we have people with faith that, because you look at what we've got now, incredible facility that we can use for youth, that we can use for community events, we can use for ministry every day of the week. And, it, and it, it's because we have people of faith uh, that, that saw what others didn't see. Some people have the gift of giving, uh, and what, I'm thankful for people like this that, that have the ability just to be a blessing to others. They just see a need and they reach out and do something about it. Uh, a gift of helps. Uh, and they, these are people that just walk around saying, uh, not, hey, I, not what can you do for me? It's what can I do to help you? So I've been blessed by so many people in this church that just they they don't want the attention. They don't want the limelight, but they just want to say, how can I help? How can I serve? What can I do? Do you need anything? These are the people that have the gift of helps. And so uh, it, it doesn't matter what. It may be cleaning the bathroom. It may be taking the trash out. But they're saying, I want to help. I want to do something to be a blessing. Hospitality is another gift that's mentioned. People that just naturally love inviting people into their homes, uh, ministering to others. This gift of hospitality, gift of knowledge. People that love learning, that love sharing uh, uh, that knowledge with others. Gift of leadership. Leadership is a spiritual gift. Uh, these are the people that uh, when they're in the room, everybody just automatically turns to them and says, okay, what do we need to do next? And they're like, why are you looking at me? Who made me the leader? Not, people recognize that they have a gift of leadership. Uh, mercy. This is what I'm really thankful for, that we have some people that have mercy in this church because it's not necessarily a strong suit of mine. <laughs> All right. And so we need people that have mercy that when they see a need, they have compassion and empathy and they are moved to do something about it. Serving is another one. Uh, just people in the very similar to helps where the people just, they want to serve. Teaching. Uh, is another gift. Some people just have the ability to teach. And so when they talk, people pay attention and listen. Then there are some more of the prophetic gifts that we talked about last week. And these are the ones that are a little more controversial. They're like, are we, do we still have them in the church today? Or were they, did they end when the apostles died? But the gifts of healing, uh, the gifts of speaking in tongues, the, the gifts of wisdom or, or the words of uh, knowledge, um, and so the gifts of prophecy, uh, and we'll kind of get into a little more of that here today. Um, but those are the gifts. And so maybe as I read through that lift list, there was one of those that just stood out and said, you know, I, I see that in, in myself, or I see that in someone else, or I can recognize that. But the key is not just seeing it, not just recognizing it. It's how are you using it? How are you using it? Uh, Romans 1.11 says this, uh, for I long to visit you so that I can bring some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in the faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. By, by, by yours. And so what we see here is as, as we use our gifts, as we bring our gifts to the table, so to speak, as we bring them together, it, it encourages all of us. 
Now, uh, I didn't share this first service, but I'll give this illustration, right? Have you ever given a gift to somebody and you gave it to them and, you know, and you gave it to them and, you know, you, you think this is the perfect gift. I'm so excited to see them use this gift. And then you go to their house a month later and you see that same gift still sitting in the corner unwrapped or, or still wrapped up. Have you ever done that? Uh, has, have you ever had experiences where you, you keep going back and every time you go to their house, every time you look in their car, that gift is still there. It's not been touched. It's not been opened. It's, you thought this was the perfect gift and nobody ever uses it. How does that make you feel as the gift giver? It makes you sad, doesn't it? it makes you disappointed. You look at that and say, man, I, I did, I picked out this gift just for you. Now, how do you feel when you pick out a gift and you give it to someone and they're like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. I'm, this is awesome. I can't wait to use this. And you see them using it every day and talking. and Hey, look what they got me. Look And, and telling everybody about it. That makes you excited because you gave a gift that was useful. Now, here, let's flip it around. When God gives a gift, how do we make him feel when we never open it or use it? How does God feel when he gives us a gift and we leave it wrapped up in the corner and never touch it, never open it? And how much joy does it bring our Heavenly Father when we use that gift to, be, to, to bring glory to him and to, to serve others? That's why this is so important. And that kind of brings me to my next point. Our role as a church is to equip you, to help you, discover your role in the body of Christ. It's what we do as a church. We want to equip you. We want to help you discover your role in the body of Christ. And so what I want to do, because I think Paul explains this a lot better than I can, I just want to read part of 1 Corinthians 12. He, he explains this. We're the body of Christ. We come together and, and you have a role to play. And there are many different roles and they're all important. Let me just read this from verse 11 all the way to verse like 31. So uh, 20 verses here. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which, each, which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were, were an ear, how would you smell anything? Uh, our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. 
All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have gifts of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And this is when he goes into talking about love. And so, again, we use our gifts to be a blessing to other people. We use our gifts. We find our place in the body of Christ. And he gives us imagery. There's all these different parts of the body. Some are more prominent. Some are not seen. But all are necessary and all are needed. And all are required for a church to be effective. Now... I uh, kind of wanted to end with just a, a, a kind of a quick explanation a little bit more. I don't want to get too deep into this because it can get a little academic. Um, but uh, I talked last week, there's really two camps on the uh, more miraculous gifts. There's one side um, that say, hey, some of these gifts, they were used in the early church. They're not really used now. That would be a group that would be called a, a cessationist. Right? They believe some of the gifts have ceased. They're no longer necessary. And uh, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 that says, you know, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Uh, so there's a verse there. And so they'll say, well, that just kind of shows that these are not meant to be permanent gifts. And uh, the counter argument is, yes, they are not needed when Jesus comes back. But uh, so you've got one group that says, okay, some of the group, the, the uh, the, the uh, gifts are not needed today. And, and part of that reason is, hey, uh, the, the Scripture is all sufficient. We don't need to add to it. We don't need anybody giving prophecy and adding to the Word of God because we've already got the Word of God. So that's one camp. The other side would be a continuationist. Uh, this is kind of where your charismatic Pentecostal beliefs kind of fall into. And they would say all the gifts have continued and are, and are still in use today. Now, why do I share this? Because we have people in our church that are probably in both camps. Um, and, uh, and it's a secondary theological issue. It doesn't determine whether you're saved or not. It's just how you view these gifts. And so it's not something uh, that, it's, for me, it's even worth getting in an argument about, but it's something I love studying and getting more uh, understanding about. And if you ask me what my personal opinion is, I fall somewhere in the middle. I'll just be honest, because what I see as I believe, I don't know that there's enough evidence to say these gifts have ceased, but the way I see them used does not also, in, in most churches, not all churches, but in many churches, I see the gifts misused and not following the, uh, the, the outline we see in 1 Corinthians 14. And so I, have, I take, uh, you see kind of where I'm going with that? You see th there's some issues with how the church is using gifts when they're not using them according to Scripture. So I encourage you to do your own research. Take time this week. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Uh, read about it. Learn about it. Study it. Uh, come to your own conclusions. But uh, I, I think this is important. So here's the way I wanted to end today. I wanted to give you four different ground rules about how you use your spiritual gifts. And these apply whether you're a cessationist or a continuationist. These apply to everybody. And I think if I kind of lay out, okay, if you want to use your gift in the church, this is how you use it. This applies to all the gifts. 
uh, applies to everyone. So here's number one. Our spiritual gifts are intended to build up the body. They're never intended to tear down others. So if you're using your gift to bully other people, you're using your, that's not a gift. That's, you're not even, no, your gift is meant to be, to, to serve others, to love others, to build people up. It means that your gift is not superior to someone else's gift, right? It means we all are different. And so we see in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 here, you see the gifts were being used out of control. They weren't building up. They weren't edifying the church. So that's the first thing I would say. If your gift is bringing glory to yourself instead of bringing glory to God, there's an issue. It's meant meant to build up the body. Here's number two. Uh, Our spiritual gifts will never contradict or add to Scripture. And this kind of refers back to some of the gifts like prophecy. Uh, I've seen people misuse this. I've seen people, uh, and and I want to give you a caution a little bit. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. It helps us determine right from wrong. It, it, helps us, uh, it helps us love. It helps us pray. There's so many functions of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so that's the Holy Spirit. And there's those promptings in your life where you feel led to do something, goes to speak to someone. Um, there also, so I understand God speaks in those ways, right? But when we say, God has told me, right? And I've seen like people say, well, God has told me uh, that this person is going to marry me. <laughs> Or God has told me, I actually had someone one time say, you know, they were meeting with me and said, here's this vision I had. And they kind of explained this whole vision. And they ultimately say, and this is what God told me through that vision, that I'm supposed to be pastor of this church instead of you. (laughs) Like, okay, kind of interesting there. That, That was a prophetic word that I'm like, you know, I think there's probably needs to, you know, uh, I think God would tell me that as well. Maybe if I, if I was needing to do that and, and maybe some other people in on this, it's not some secret, just some secret knowledge that you have and no one else has. This is how cults are founded, right? Uh, let, me, let me add something to the Bible. I, I need to tell you. No, God, the scripture we have is sufficient. No need to add to it. So, I want to just give you a word of caution here. If you're telling someone uh, and you say, God told me, I've seen people do this so many times. Well, God told me this church, we need to do this. Well, what happens if we don't do that? In the Old Testament, if you made a prophecy and it didn't come true, you were stoned. You were put to death. (laughs) Pretty serious to, to, to claim God was speaking when God was not speaking. You never use God told me so to get your own way. In fact, I would say this, I feel God is leading us to do. I feel God maybe is prompting us. I feel God, this is the direction, but I'm not sure. Would you pray about it with me? Does that, we don't speak, for, I mean, you've got to be very careful when you speak for God. In fact, I would, that's where most cessationists have an issue uh, with the continuationists, is over this one issue of prophecy. So spiritual gifts will never contradict or add to scriptures. Number three. Spiritual gifts must be used in order and under authority. In other words, it's not just chaos. Uh, When you read 1 Corinthians 14, Paul lays out, okay, this is what happens. And there's authority in the church and there's order in the church. And 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 he explains why, right? Because when unbelievers come in, you don't want to freak them out. You don't want to scare them. If they need to hear the gospel, they need to hear the gospel. Um, And so there's order to the church. There's not chaos to the church. And that was the problem in the Corinthian church. And then number four, uh, I'll close with this one. Uh, 
Spiritual maturity is reflected in fruit, not gifts. You're not more mature as a believer just because you have a certain spiritual gift. Or if you don't have a certain spiritual gift, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. We all have different gifts. So your maturity is not reflected in which gift you have. It's reflected in the fruit of the Spirit that is exhibited as you use your gift. So that's why we did these two sermon series back to back. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit, which is maturity. And now we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, which shows how we're used by God. So all of this stuff, it kind of comes together. Um, And I hope it's helpful to you. I hope if I created a stirred up a little bit of interest in this, you'll go and dig into it deeper. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll talk to you more, give you resources to study and talk. Uh, But this is important because as we come together as the church, this is how the church functions in a healthy way. This is how the church really works. And so my question for you as we kind of close up today is what has God called you to do? What has he gifted you to do? What is the mission? What is the purpose he has given you in life? If I go back to that statement, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you figure out why. What's the why for your life? Why has God placed you here? Is it to be miserable every day and do the same thing over and over? Or is it to discover your gift and use it in a way to build up the body and to glorify God? That's what spiritual gifts are. Are all about. And when a church really gets serious about this, it becomes unstoppable when people uh, are using their gifts in different ways. And, uh, and, and then all these little issues that people get mad about the color of the pain and the sound system and the, the everybody quits arguing because they're too busy using their gift to get distracted and argue. That's what the church needs more of in today's world. So let's pray. The praise team is going to come up and we'll close today. Heavenly Father, your word just it brings us so much to study, to reflect on, to help us, to guide us, to give us wisdom. And so as a church, we want to be a church that just continues to help people discover their gifts and use them in a way that honors you. We want to be a church, Lord, that, uh, that focuses on what unites us and understand that there's diversity in gifts and abilities and passions and experiences and all that stuff. Lord, we just want to, as a church, we want to just reach people for Jesus and disciple them and teach them what it means to follow Jesus. So, Father, I pray that we would come together. We would discover the why you created us, the the purpose that you've given us, our life mission. I pray for those watching and listening. And I think we all need to understand that this all starts at the moment we become a believer. When we put our faith in Jesus, that's when this all starts. We receive the gift of forgiveness. We see, receive the gift of adoption into the God's family. And we receive the spiritual gifts then that enable us to serve Him. And so for each and every one of us, we need to know that we're saved. That we put our faith, our trust in Jesus. That we are sinners in need of a Savior. And so when we pray and ask God into our life and ask Him... Uh, to forgive us and we trust him and we we obey him that starts a new relationship it starts a new way of life and so if you're here today if you're watching online let me invite you right now to put your faith and trust in jesus would you pray with me heavenly father i know i need forgiveness so would you forgive me 
And not only that, Lord, I, I, I know I know I'm a sinner. I know I need rescue. I know that I can't, I can't continue living this way. I, I need your help to live a new way. And so would you give me the gift, the strength to, to now live and honor you in the way I live my life? So forgive me, strengthen me, and help me to live for Jesus. If that's your prayer, I want you to know that God heard it. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for your sin. He died to give you new life. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for that promise. We thank you for that gift. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.